0: Well, hey, here we are um, in the Next Matters Most podcast, which is on the future of business, entrepreneurship, and technology. And we're here with Venus Lyles, uh, founder of QCard and uh, many other things, which I guess we will soon hear about. Um, And today we have Emily Neville, uh, also an entrepreneur uh, from the Triangle, uh, who also happens to be the head of new business for Smashing Boxes. And so we work together there. Um... And this will be the first time that Emily and I will quasi co-host. So we'll see how this goes, but uh, Venus, let's go to you. Why don't you give us your, I don't know, 15 second or five minute bio. It's probably long. I see a a lot of things going on there, but yeah, I'd love to hear where you're at, what you're working on and, and, and what's good.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. i um, excited to chat. It is probably somewhere between 15 seconds and five minutes. Um, I'll start, I guess, undergrad is as far back as I'll go, but um, did Uh, undergrad at UNC, actually, we overlapped. I just saw it on LinkedIn that we were both there in 2003. Um, So went to undergrad for psychology, actually, and then didn't really know what to do with a psych degree like most people. So took a year off, um, worked at a restaurant in in Charleston as a line cook studying for the LSATs, Uh, chose law school, again, because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And the law just seemed to fit kind of my skill set of being analytical and organized and um, my mom says I was good at arguing when I was a teenager so I was like this seems like a good fit Um, went to law school at Duke and then uh, double majored in psychology and law hoping to do something that was kind of like a FBI profiling jury consulting version of being a badass and then graduated from law school during the last recession. And so really cool jobs were not as available and very steady ones uh, were in some cases. And I was lucky to get a job at a law firm in downtown Raleigh. So I went the corporate law path. was there for a couple of years, transitioned to in-house counsel at SAS, where I still serve as an attorney um, doing technology licensing, mostly a lot of corporate stuff. And then about four to five years ago, um, decided that, you know, I really wanted to start helping startups and entrepreneurs and just another type of client rather than the billion dollar companies that I was helping via the big law firm and, uh, the big company that I'm currently at, which is awesome, but, uh, it's just a different, a different type of client need. So, uh, founded Lyle's law where I help, like I said, early stage entrepreneurs, um, same sort of stuff, entity selection, the template documents, um, you know, do they need website terms of use? Do they need a privacy policy? Kind of navigating those first few years of having a new business, particularly for new business owners, they're not really sure what they need from a legal perspective. So I try to help them with all of that with the goal of uh, them eventually outgrowing me and needing to move on to either a big firm of 20 attorneys or bringing in in-house counsel. Um, and that, is, that has been my career for, you know, over 10 years was strictly in law. And then in 2020, caught the entrepreneurship bug um, outside of law and dabbled in a few projects, the most recent being QCard.
0: So you great. just caught the bug in 2020, but I see, well, I guess you I mean, in addition to founding your own practice, but I was aware of QCard, but I also see, um, book author um, founder of uh, dance her uh, as well as oh I guess joining as a member of the excel ventures uh, so that seems like four things um, all in this 2020 catching the bug is that is that accurate?
1: Yeah I mean you're right founding the firm was you know my my first entryway into uh, the gateway drug into um, starting my own business but since I knew, how to be an attorney, uh, it seemed like a very easy sort of fit. All the more recent ventures are uh, are new and thrilling in different ways, because it's not sort of what I was educated in. I let my passions drive me, which is a different, a different beast altogether.
0: Sure. And, you know, I'm looking at your profile, says attorney, entrepreneur, author. How do you, is that how you describe yourself? You're an attorney that also does entrepreneurial things, or are you like an entrepreneur that just happens to be an attorney?
1: That's a good question. I mean, I think I'd prefer the latter, um, but it's hard to outgrow you know, education, especially when you still owe a lot of student loans and over a decade of practicing in one thing. And so for now, I'm an attorney that desperately wants to be an entrepreneur, but I hope in the future uh, it flips the other way.
0: Sure. And how I did think the... it's funny. Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I think it's
2: funny, kind of this pathway of like being a lawyer to entrepreneur, because that, that doesn't feel like kind of as regular, right? As dabbling maybe in more of like the corporate world. Um, but like Nick, I don't know if we've even talked about this, but I was originally going to go to law school. So I remember like Venus and I connected a few years ago and kind of talked about that same process for me, right? I like got the entrepreneurial bug. Um, as a sophomore of college and like dramatically changed career paths. Uh, Um, like once you kind of see that happen, um, it, it totally changes your life. Right. But like, it's funny to go from that kind of pathway of like law and politics and civil service to, Oh, like maybe there's some ways I can also help and make an impact on the business side of things.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, I was not aware of that, but I feel like that's not uncommon. Um, that folks change their mind often in college. Um, and I was going to make the joke, we did overlap in 2003, but I wasn't really there that much. I think that was like my last semester. So I was pretty punched out by that point. Um, So anyways, maybe we, we saw each other. Okay, Um tell me about the law firm though, um, Lyle's Law. And I'm kind of thinking, how did that help you sort of segue into being more comfortable being an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur? Like you kind of had the desire to maybe... Get exposure or tell me about that journey right so it's like i work at sass and this is you know when and you founded lyle's law when was that that was like a handful of years ago or like a that few years,
2: years ago yeah,
1: yeah. Four.
0: four or five years ago okay so like before that were you like oh my gosh i just have the entrepreneurial bug or were you like i just want to learn something new and then through lyle's law you started to get the kind of itch i guess tell me how about how that sort of evolution occurred
1: Yeah, honestly, none of that. I was happy and quite busy you know, just in my day job. And then it was a matter of opportunity and timing. So I uh, had a friend of mine who had her own firm and needed some assistance with software licensing, um, which is kind of a a niche in law. So there are business attorneys who don't know how to do just that, but I did dozens, hundreds uh, of those at SAS. And so she reached out and wanted to know if I could you know, do that for one of her clients that needed help with some software. Um, And I, and I really said, I don't know, I have to check and see whether I'm allowed to do anything on the side, you know. Um, So I reached out, got permission to do legal services on the side with all the regular conditions and caveats. And then once I did that, that's kind of was the spark that uh, let me know that I have curated over the years, a type of knowledge that is very useful and um, can be useful in other contexts other than just a nine to five day job and was then thirsty for more and so kind of hung my shingle as, as lawyers say at that point and said you know now I'm available and I can help um, whoever, And at first I didn't know exactly who I wanted to help. Um, I knew that I could do business and corporate law, but I hadn't really niched down on my client and all that regular stuff that you do when you start a business is figuring out your target client. I didn't do any of that because I wasn't really planning on starting a business. It was just a matter of timing. And so I started it and then went back and tried to focus on who is it that I really want to help and who can I best serve and all those questions.
0: Sure, um, that's great. And then a, a further, so Emily, side note: if I see you unmute, I'm going to assume that means you want to talk next. Is that okay?
2: Okay, oh, yeah, that's little, her, Yeah, that'll be
0: like our little how we take <laughs> I know turns. I'm like, okay. I mean, yeah, I yeah. always have
2: something to say, as you know. So you know, can just know. jump in whenever.
0: Okay. Okay. So I, I'm just kind of trying to go with the sort of the the story, right? The kind of the arc, and you know, I'm an attorney established a very successful business I kind of get this call and now oh man I'm kind of got my own business but tell me about like entrepreneurship right were you always dreaming of startups or you know, obviously you had, for the record, my mom said I was really good at arguing too. And now my wife would also say that I'm very good at arguing and they both still think I should be a lawyer, but I'm kind of like, I think you're missing the point guys. I can, I just need to use those skills for other, other things. But, um, I had that, you know, sort of encouragement, like, oh my gosh, you're so good at, I feel like they said that with love, you know, like, uh, you're so good at arguing, you should be an attorney. As a Apparently maybe, this is a
2: common thread then. I mean, I was so yeah. good at arguing, good at negotiating, or like I knew I was good at negotiating because the arguing turned into winning some of those arguments, right? Mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, there's definitely crossovers.
0: Okay, so yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, were you the person selling candy in elementary school for to make money to like buy your toys or whatever? You know, those kids, have, I don't have that story, but um, yeah. others do. Or was it kind of through the exposure to some of these small businesses through your own firm that kind of got you thinking further and further downstream in terms of, wait, I actually want to be the startup. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: I did have those stories. I do have those stories, but in sort of later in life, college, law school, at the firm, at SAS, I never connected those stories to something that I may want to pursue in the future. So I, looking back, did start a uh, friendship bracelet business with a friend where we made a bunch of friendship bracelets and went door to door. Just for each
0: other though. Just kidding. (laughs)
1: Uh, We started like a neighborhood magazine. And um, I, I, you know, my dad would pay me $5 not to talk for an hour, which, you know, now is pretty depressing. But at the time, I was like, sure, like, let's do it. Um, So there were those stories, and then never really thought that that would be career. I just thought that's what you do for fun to make money on the side and that a career needs to be, you know, some sort of graduate school program. Um, And so when I was in law school, that's all I thought I would do. And I didn't think, I actually didn't think my particular area of law lent itself to having your own business. Whereas my husband, who's a defense attorney, like there are lots of defense attorneys that start up their own business um, and helping people in the community in that way. But corporate law, I just always kind of associated with bigger companies. um, And only through Lyle's Law, seeing that there are tons of small businesses, obviously, and entrepreneurs and early stage startups that need the same legal services that big companies do um, just as badly, if not more, but may not necessarily have the resources um, to hire a big firm. Did I realize that that's, you know, a, a certain client that I could help? And then from helping startups and entrepreneurs, over and over and over again and kind of being embedded in their ecosystem, because as an attorney, you're privileged to a lot more information than kind of the everyday public um, gets to hear. I really got to learn the ins and outs of it and um, through that sort of realized like I love problem solving and that's what they're doing, but they're doing it on a different level and just started seeing problems to solve that I never really pursued either. You know, would just see something and think that would make a cool business. Never thought I could make that a cool business. Um, and, but over, you know, months and, and, and eventually years of thinking somebody should do this, I kind of just thought, well, why wouldn't that somebody be me? That's awesome. I think
2: also though, like, cause you talked earlier about, how, like, working on the technical side of things, even though I'm well, more like, kind of, I guess, carrying those like technical agreements, right? And just having to have that expertise, like, lent to working with tech startups. I can relate to that even since like coming on board uh, to smashing boxes, because I don't know, you know, really, truly, I guess, the ins and outs of like software development, right? But like, just working now with developers, with designers, I'm seeing how useful the skill that is to have to like then carry over to almost every startup today, right? And whatever they're working on, like even having that base knowledge of a more technical you know, background in stack is so helpful for anything you could do, you know, especially related to entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't realize how much of that I absorbed by just asking them their story and what kind of technology they were working on in order to then draft their agreements appropriate. Right, yeah. You need to understand it a little bit in order to be able to, to protect them in the best way possible. And so a lot of times I would say, okay, explain this to me knowing that I'm not a techie. Like, Explain this to me like you would explain it to an eighth grader. And so them having to kind of convert that into speak that I could understand then helped me understand it more and more. And the more that you know, clients did that Um, the the various different types of startups, different types of technology. I can see the patterns, you know, they're all different, but there's also a lot of similarities just between tech companies in general. And I didn't realize how much of that I absorbed until I started my own.
0: That's Awesome. Tell me, I guess we'll go stay with the kind of path for like one more second, but, you know, I had a mentor kind of really harp on, you know, knowing your story as a big sort of source of I guess power and, and motivation and inspiration for like why you're doing what you're doing. And a lot of that would be like childhood stuff, like, all right, you know, your parents or your teachings, or did you move around a lot or whatever? A, have you put in work to being like, this is my story, this is who I am? And, and if not, then B, yeah, I mean, tell me about, I mean, you were in, you were doing all kinds of businesses as a kid. Were you encouraged by parents or was it just sort of like, it just kind of happened since birth. You were out there selling stuff or tell me about what you would, how you'd kind of think about your story.
1: Yeah. My, so my dad was a restaurant owner and so he had his own business my entire childhood and I saw that. And so although they didn't, um, expressly encourage it I did have that as a role model growing up and actually to the contrary my dad would say never get into the restaurant business like that's all that he would ever say when he would come home at you know 2 a.m exhausted and so I heard that and I think part of that may have inadvertently absorbed into like don't own your own business it's too much work it's too much trouble it's too much x whatever look for security and so although they encouraged pursuits within the realm of entrepreneurship, like starting, you know, my own friendship bracelet business, I think they more navigated me towards something that would be stable and secure and wouldn't necessarily fluctuate with the number of clients or customers that come through the door like my dad's restaurant did. Um, And so that's really what guided me towards a more uh, traditional path like law that, would give me that security that they encouraged, but a lot of my story is the fact that my parents divorced, and so the majority of my life I was actually raised by my mom, who is an electrical engineer. Uh, years, ag- you know, many years ago, when there weren't any in her class, like, um, and she she is very independent. So if you meet her, you will know, you know, how I am the way that I am because she was very much. You need to be able to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Don't depend on anybody else. Don't think that anybody's going to hold, you know, doors open for you and just go for what you want. And so she's cheered me through law school and she's cheering me through this entrepreneurship pursuit. And she will cheer me if I, you know, cheer me on if I want to quit and go work on a farm one day because she just is that sort of lady. And so seeing her do that and go for dreams and run marathons and do all the things that she put her mind to, I definitely think that's rubbed off on me even if I haven't done all the journaling to like really narrow in on my story yet.
0: Sure, sure, but that's usually impactful. And even as you and we've talked about, well, we haven't talked about like our kids, but you know, kind of, it's also cool to know that. I mean, I had plenty of days I come home probably with the same exact, you know, sentiment, like this is crazy and I'm working too much, but like, I still think there's good, valuable lessons that there are that are rubbing off on these little, little brains yeah. and, and how inspiring, you know, how much of a force that was. And I think, you know, your dad would be super pumped if you, I'm sure you've told him, but like, obviously to know that, like that sort of just modeled the way and gave you sort of, um, you know, courage to, to do stuff in the entrepreneurial land. And then also, obviously, with your mom, too, with the kind of, you know, being able to just say, I'm going to do this and then doing it, which is super powerful. Um, so awesome. Cool. And it's not just about role models. It's kind of all that stuff. But yeah, as you start to dial in, I, that was kind of an interesting thing for me, which is well, I did sports. That's why I'm competitive. But they were team sports. So it wasn't like I just like to do this. I like to kind of, you know, think about teamwork and also with my parents and they were divorced and we, they kind of moved around. So I'm like, well, I at new school. So I had to like kind of adapt quickly and, you know, kind of like make fast friends. And, um, I don't know, there's just kind of a bunch of, you know, I had this like one like drill sergeant coach once. And so like, you know, kind of like take no bullshit from me. I was just like this weird thing where it was fun and we spent a whole day on it. And I, you know, I kind of baked that into certain things and rituals I've done in different businesses. Um, but it also just was a good self-awareness moment, you know, for me. And then when someone else would be like, why are we doing it this way? I'd be like, well, that's just my kind of deal or my story or how I am approaching things for these reasons of experience. And it's just helped me that way. It hasn't, it didn't you know, change my life or whatever, but anyway, so interesting to kind of yeah. get into that. So, you know, so you went then, okay, so we'll um, fast forward. I just love kind of hearing the little nuggets and pulling them out. Right. So like if you, And also, so funny, I knew we were just like kindred spirits, because I feel like I had the same mindset going into college, like, my dad had a small business, his uncles did, my mom was kind of very steady Eddie, but her side of the family, were like longtime small business owners. Um, And I was like, always around it. And I was like, Oh, yeah, start like little businesses kind of not really. I mean, actually, I, I did I really didn't. I mean, I had like ideas, but I didn't really do anything until I went to college being like, man, I'm gonna get like a job. And then maybe like, do like a side hustle or make that into like a practice like entrepreneurship wasn't really a field it wasn't even a word yet as a cool word it was more like if you were self-employed it meant like unemployed and so like you know I I I was like I'm gonna get like a degree it's gonna be like in science or something and then I'm just gonna like have like a start my own business like a scientist I I really didn't put it together but um yeah anyways once I got there I was like no never mind I'll just kind of do my own thing and like kind of start some things during college, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, but being around it and kind of like doing books and sort of like realizing that you can sort of, some people get blocked at the idea of like, I can never start a business, I can't get healthcare. And it's like, yes, yeah, slash you're like 24 and super healthy. So you totally could, don't let that be a blocker. But anyways, having kind of the, the role models is, is good. But same thing, I went to college thinking like, man, I'm just gonna get like a freaking job and just like work my way up and that's gonna be all good but then i guess maybe you know dna sort of took over at some point and like never kind of looked back or i just was unemployable and i just didn't know it when i went to college cuz i was good at doing student stuff but anyway so let's kind of go so then yeah 2020 hits you start a book uh, you start dancer and you also start q card maybe um you talk about whatever you want but i mean obviously i'd love to hear more about q card and sort of about like how you got the aha moment for that and why you decided to just take the risk of saying, Hey, I'm going to put my name on this and I'm going to promote it and, and maybe get to, yeah, take us through to that, you know, that kind of decision-making matrix.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think actually the book helped set the stage for Card, even though they're completely different endeavors, because the book came out of necessity, like some ideas do. And it was March thirteenth, and school shut down suddenly. We thought it was going to be for two weeks, um, for you know, a bit of quarantining for COVID. And what we do as a family is usually when there's big transitions coming up, we reach to, out to books to help kind of explain what the children can expect because they never listen to us. But if we find a book where there's a little kid going through the same thing, they'll it'll kind of sink in. Um, and obviously, there was no book available to talk about something that we haven't gone through before as a, um, as a country as, um, and as the world. And so at that moment, I thought, well, I would like to, to make a book just you know, out of paper and staple it together and just draw little stick finger, figures, try and explain social distancing to my kids so they can understand why we're staying home and we're not going to parks or to see grandparents, et cetera. And then that evolved to, well, if it's going to be helpful for my family, then maybe it's going to be helpful to others. So maybe I can just make it a slightly better book and put it out there for the for the world to see. And then the anxiety and the self-doubt came in where it's like, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a child psychologist, like, I'm oh, sorry, I'm not an author, I'm not a child psychologist, like, who am I to say what other people's experiences should or shouldn't be with, you know, I'm, I'm not a healthcare expert, all of that. And then I just kind of focused on, will this help people? If people have a story to share with their children, will it or will it not help people? and rove at the at the conclusion of, it might, it might. I put it out there, and it, it might help others, or it might just be something my family reads, and that's perfectly fine, too. And because of the subject matter, I was in a rush to get that book out, because I thought, one, I didn't know that the pandemic would last as long as it did, but regardless of the length, I knew that it would only help children understand the transition if it was kind of early on in the in the transition. And so I had to put something out there that I didn't necessarily think was perfect. And I think that has kept me in the past from putting you know, works out there or starting different businesses or even just like writing a blog post because it would take me forever to try to find the perfect words to say the perfect thing in the right way. And I didn't have time for that. And so I wrote and got the book published in 10 days and it actually was available on April 1st. And the first two months was just full of families reaching out to me and saying, you know, thank you so much. This has helped our children. You know, we read it at bedtime. Anytime they're worried about why they can't go see their grandparents, we read it. And just the influx of of support and gratitude for something that I thought was not perfect was so overwhelming that I sort of realized what I hope to have realized long ago, which is, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect to help other people. And it doesn't even have to be perfect for your own selfish reasons of getting feedback and to, you know, grow and innovate and be creative. Um, And so fast forwarding to November of 2020, I was thinking about not being able to be close to friends and family and how the holidays were coming up and how I love to give gifts that are meaningful, but how can we make gift giving a little bit more meaningful um, and really express the sentiment of, I wish I could be there, but I can't. And doesn't this suck? And video usually helps to bridge that gap. But I was trying to think of a way to sync video with the the, the receiving and opening of a gift and how to make that sort of more synchronous. And that's where Q card came up. And if I hadn't had the earlier experience of just put it out there, if it's not perfect, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have even taken the next step. I would have just said, you know, I wish this existed. Somebody else has more experience than me. Maybe one day someone will do it. Um, But instead I just decided to give it a shot.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, I love the kind of bias towards action and the concept of, you know, perfect is the enemy of done um, or enemy of good or whatever. That's some kind of saying, but you know what I mean, right? Which is like, oh, you could have perfected that. And then moments past and, and you've got nothing mm-hmm. and you your feedback might have been a little better but but who knows right and you did which I would think kind of would
2: be I would think that would be really difficult coming from your experience practicing law right because that's like let's go through with a fine tooth comb right and like make sure everything is extremely perfect before you know anyone else can see it and external eyes so um, that's interesting that you've like been able to kind of overcome that because you're absolutely right. Like any companies who moved kind of first on, especially COVID centered concepts were really able to take advantage of that, even though, you know, it was a risk. We didn't know how long it was going to last, you know, should you make masks? Those who did, you know, were successful. Um, So it's awesome that you kind of got past that because that is a little bit opposite of, you know, how to expect an attorney to act.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That was, that's just been uh, drilled into me, both kind of by my nature and just my education and how important it is to make sure you do cross those T's and dot those I's, because in the context of law, it can lead to disaster, right? Economic disaster or otherwise. And so I never want my mistake to lead to any negative consequences for my clients, but that doesn't necessarily parallel creative pursuits where, where there is not this drastic negative outcome. If I don't state things perfectly, it's just not as polished. Um, and I have to live with that. And, you know, I've misspoken in this podcast. I've said things that I wish I could go back and edit. And it's like, it shouldn't keep me from talking on podcasts and and uh, writing books and writing blogs. And it's just a whole different field than the law. And it's much more forgiving, I think.
0: Sure. Yeah. And so I guess take us to Q card then. Was this something that's been just burning in your mind for years or like you get one success and now you're like, oh my gosh, the floodgates are open. Everything, you know, I'm now this entrepreneurial hammer and every problem is a proverbial nail, which I love that by the way. But um, yeah, tell me about how this kind of went to went to Q card.
1: Yeah, I, 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 a little of both. I mean, it was kind of this spark that led to, you know, if if no one else is going to create it, I might as well, you know, who better than me. And if someone is better than me, then at least it will exist. Like it's the urge of having it exist, whether I create it or somebody else that I think has been really helpful. So I, I wished that someone else would had written a children's book about the pandemic, but since they didn't, I'll give it a shot and the same with cue card i wish that there was a way that i could add a video to a gift that i was giving my family members looked high and low for it couldn't find it so thought i could give it a shot maybe there are other people that wish this existed as well um, i definitely for every decent idea i've had i've had hundreds of really terrible ones so um it's not like i have pursued every single idea but 2020 was a big year for that and i think you know i, I don't think it's lost on me that it was also just such a tough year for me personally and um, for everybody else. And it, it gives you sometimes moments like that or years like that give you some time to reflect and think that life is short and it's important to connect with friends and family. And so if you want to do something that's gonna help other people connect, then do it.
0: Sure, and so that kind of was maybe where I was gonna to go too. but how about tell us what is QCard, and you know, obviously we're sort of moving at the origin story of it, anyways, and how it got there. But we kind of got there from the other side, which is the career journey and path, and like experience, and then like all of a sudden getting, like, deciding to take one small risk, and that small risk giving you confidence, and now you're emboldened, and you're ready to take a bigger risk, or, or whether it's bigger risk in any way or not, it's still a bigger challenge that you're taking on. Um, But, you know, so, and then dot, 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 the business itself is sort of a part of the story. It's a character. But let's make that sort of the centerpiece now and tell us maybe about, you know, what is QCard? What was the problem that you saw in the marketplace? And you kind of went to it, but maybe reframe it under how you're like, man, this is a problem. And then like, bam, here's my solution. And then where you're at today. So kind of give us that whole um, story there.
1: Yeah, sure. So the problem I saw was really seeing video being utilized on social media quite a bit, video advertisements, etc. But not being used by everyday people in their practical lives. And so there are a lot of instances where we can communicate and connect with each other better via video than written text, whether it's an email or a post it or, um, you know, a love note. There are just lots of times where video can be more meaningful or more effective. and I didn't see that being used on a day to day basis in the physical realm. And so what I created was Q card, which are pretty much video stickers. Um, so in 30 seconds, you can record or upload a video to a sticker using, in this case, a QR code um, and then Once you save it, the next person that scans that exact same one is gonna see your video automatically. So no need for a mobile app, no need to set up elaborate accounts or have to post something on YouTube or anything like that. You can convey your message almost instantaneously. And right now where I'm at is exploring different use cases, because as I mentioned at the end of 2020, it came up in the context of gift giving um, and that was well received. But once I actually made it a reality, it became clear to me that there are so many other instances other than gift giving, where it would be helpful to have a video um, that's triggered the moment that somebody uses or walks up to or receives some sort of physical object. So some other, Cases are um, potentially an Airbnb scenario where the host would put cue card stickers around their home. So on uh, a coffee maker or the stove or a weird door that doesn't lock right to have a quick video message explaining how to do the thing um, or uh, political campaigns can use it on flyers where they can have the candidate have a short video because nobody answers their doors anymore but they can kind of leave the flyers on the doorstep with a video message from a candidate or um, businesses can use it on their product packaging or their other sort of promotional and marketing um, to have a video that uh, instantly plays when the consumer either receives the product or uh, the, the um, promotional flyers or anything like that, that they want to spread out there. And just that immediacy of video creation and sharing and how that helps us connect no matter the use case is what is really exciting to me so right now I'm launching a pilot program where all those different use cases and more are participating um, and I'm hoping to kind of gather data and figure out what use case is most compelling at least at first knowing that it can eventually be uh, broader than that um, and then hopefully launch before the end of the year It's so exciting. Uh,
2: Of course, Nick and I have seen the actual stickers and actions, So, like once you, you know, get to do that, um, it really like just opens up that story, right? It's So cool. Um, I know we were talking about this like before the podcast today, but just really kind of this ongoing change right in society of like an increasing digital presence right in our physical worlds and I mean obviously like we're recording this on zoom right now right which like just feels like my life now um but I guess how do you see um and you talked about like a a bunch of use cases which is awesome and you're still in the testing phase for kind of like post-COVID world but do you feel like like that really has been the catalyst? for Q card and how do you see that continuing, you know, past the post-pandemic world, if we're really calling it that now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the pandemic showed us how important connection is, and whether it's via Zoom calls or FaceTiming or uh, Skype, whatever, however your form is, you know, people crave to connect and you can connect in different ways. A video is a, a potentially um, impactful way to connect when you can't be there in person. And so I like that concept of until you can be there dot, dot, dot cue card. I don't know that's not a motto that I'm um, exploring right now, but I, I would rather people be able to be together in person. I don't think anything substitutes for that, but to the extent that you can't, I think that cue cards will hopefully help bridge that gap until you can, so whether it's connecting with your customers, connecting with people that are staying in your house, connecting with your you know babysitter while you're out on your first night out as a new parent, um, or giving a gift to somebody until you can be there together, cute card is hopefully the next best thing.
2: That is interesting. Well, I don't know. Like Nick, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that too, because I could, like, I think actually that could be somewhat. You know, there's something to discuss there, right? Like, is it you know, always that in person is better, or like, is this a great substitute? i'm I'm thinking about, you know, times where I've arrived at an Airbnb, but maybe don't want you know, the kind of the extensive walkthrough tour. and I'm like, okay, we're like trying to get in, kind of get out. Like I, I think there's a cool like opportunity here um, with your product where it does allow you to kind of go at your leisure, right? or like use mm-hmm. it as needed, which of course, like, we don't want to cut out all human connection uh, moving forward, but I do think there's something to be said for like when digital can be better and more optimal and like how we can really like take advantage of that. And I don't know, Nick, what your thoughts are on that too, but it's kind of interesting yeah. to think about.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, when we were sort of chatting about this, like, Oh, what do we talk about? We were coming up with all the high level things like, you know, turning in-person having in-person interactions in a digital world or like bridging the world of, of digital and, and physical through you know small bite-sized video content whatever and we're like okay what there's a lot of those good sort of I put you know Adam Newman messaging or whatever right which is like very foggy and visionary and hard to understand and most sometimes it just doesn't work out too uh, in the case of Adam Newman, we work um, documentary at, but, all. <laughs> at all right um, but so well there's two things I mean My thought is, and and I guess I, this is kind of questions, but one is like, this is also like kind of a paradigm or protocol change, right? Because you can take a video and you can send it and it's either like, and this is like a third way to do it, right? Or something, right? So you can post it on social so everyone can see it, or you can send it in a message in one person. So instead of either one to all or one to one, you can contain it to like a one to many with a geographic, like with an actual physical requirement, which is Really unique. So now this is like kind of creating a unique like protocol or unique paradigm. So when people need that, and then the question from there is, how does this like can this be a platform in some way, shape, or form? Right. Like, how can you keep this kind of content and these content creators like captive? And and maybe you are or are not right. But like think of every yeah like every short term rental. There's six hundred thousand people that have stuff on short term rentals in, the, in this country. But obviously, if you then add like MLS listings it becomes exponentially more, but maybe talk to how you're thinking about, um, you know, also just side note, literally a friend of mine's wife emailed me today and was like, oh, I'm putting videos together for like your friend, my husband, like for his 40th birthday. Can you send me some video like via like Dropbox or whatever, whatever. I was like, oh, that's so funny. And actually I wasn't like cue card. I was just like, ugh, I need to do that today. Like, and then we're talking, I was like, oh, there's a use case every day. Um, but like you said, every appliance, every thing, um, I guess maybe first talk about that kind of like paradigm protocol layer, because I think articulating that helps you get into that kind of like, you know, outer space, like mindset and gets people like anchored in this, like, whoa, this is like a humongous opportunity. And then you kind of reel them back in and, and can talk about kind of the use cases and how it's effectively going to be very sticky and the stickiness might be in the, the the, physical infrastructure that you can kind of sign on, right? Like the house that's being for sale or the, co- like we have, we have a co-working space that probably needs how-to's and now we're on your platform and why would we ever switch, right? So maybe take that and run with it however you, you best see fit.
2: Talk about the stickiness of your stickers. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah,
1: love it. Well, I, I love the concept, Nick, of it being kind of this third way to communicate because I really think about that. I think not only the one to many versus the one-to-one in that space in the middle, but also the, the, the trigger of timing. So it's physical space and it's timing, whereas you could, um, you know, text or email a video of how to use your coffee maker to someone staying in your home. In that email would also be a bunch of other videos, how to use your stove, how to use your, um, Uh, washing machine had to lock the door properly. And I've actually had a a friend who stayed in an RV that got an email with all those. But then she said when she was ready to go up to the coffee maker, she had to go back. And it was, you know, the host sent it three weeks ago. And so she's going back, going through her email then clicking on the email and trying to find the right video. It was was not um, solving the problem that she was having which is walking up to the coffee maker and wanting to know how to use it in that moment. Um, And so there's that timing effect. And there's also that I only want this information, not everything else. So when you walk up and you want to know how to use the coffee maker, you just want to see that video. You don't need the rest of it. And also a person who doesn't drink coffee never needs to walk up to the coffee maker and absorb that video. So it only applies to certain people in certain situations at a certain time. Which I think when we have so much going on that's there's an appeal to that, which is when I need it, if and when I need it, it is available to me um, and not otherwise. And so that's what is interesting to me in that more sort of instructional category of Airbnb or employee break rooms or a co-working space where you know if someone doesn't need to print something, they don't need to sit through a video or read a lengthy email about the printer. It's just if and when they do need to that it's available and ready. Um, and so that that's exciting to me. And then as far as a platform, kind of what I have found through customer discovery is that providing an end-to-end solution, so not only generating the QR codes ourselves, but also hosting the video content, we're eventually going to be able to provide a lot of data. So um, it may or may not be useful in a co-working space to see what videos are being viewed over and over again, maybe people just don't understand how to use this printer, but in a marketing scenario, there's even more value to sort of having that data analytics because you could have different sort of in the physical realm marketing campaigns and you can do A-B testing, you can figure out what geography of people are really interested in engaging with your video content. Um, There's just a lot more there uh, exploring the power of data in certain use cases more than others, obviously.
2: I like what you're talking about as far as it's almost like physical integration, right? Like, I don't know if that's the right term for it, but I think about all the times that I'm at that, you know, coffee pot or device, you know, otherwise, but then need to Google and kind of like find something for like, how do I work with a espresso machine or, you know, whatever it is. So like the fact that it can be this like integration, right? Like (laughs) the technical term that, like automatically ties you into the exact device you're looking at and kind of the instructions for that. And it's not this, you know, outdated, you know, antique paper that you can't read or understand. Like, I mean, that could be, you know, instructional guides for almost everything. Right. Um, and sure. yeah, that's awesome to think about. Yeah.
1: And without if you don't count the actual sticker, it's hardware free, right? Cause we all walk right. around with our smartphones and I feel like people were trying to solve a similar problem by having sort of tablets around. So there's a version of a tablet, you know, outside conference rooms to um, reserve them, or maybe even in stores to kind of talk about a particular product. There's some sort of physical video interface, but when we all have our phones, that seems a little bit, um, yeah, definitely more expensive. And, yeah. yeah, this
2: that's more of your software as a service background, right? So yeah, definitely makes absolutely.
0: sense. Yeah, have you, I love. first of all, I love the kind of making the analog to something that's tech, like it's the physical integration platform. So, and it's for anyone that needs to kind of incorporate, blah, blah, you can kind of get into the messaging there. But also, you know, as you think about use case, I'm trying to think of what makes this a platform, right? Which is, means it's easier to use this than something else. And that's not the only definition of a platform by any means, but I'm kind of thinking like, what if you got, you know, some kind of coffee maker brand on board or whatever and they started shipping. So now if you're kind of, if it's coming from like the, the space owner but also the appliance maker and all of a sudden like this becomes kind of this ubiquitous infrastructure. So it's an infrastructure play for the kind of physical integration of kind of content matched with you know overlaid on you know location specific and and time and need specific variants which are you know it's impossible to do with a pure digital solution and so if you're able to kind of have you thought about piecing together people on the vendor side to say hey you know because also like think of you just triangulating your markets right so like i'm gonna this is gonna ship with you know coffee makers, appliances, whatever. And now, Hey, you're, you're, this is already in your Airbnb. You set, you know, we've got our own videos here. You add your own sticker if you'd like, and they ship you five extra stickers if you want them. And then while you're in there, you go ahead and activate some of the rest of your stuff. And it's just kind of easy. And it's not unlike, you know, I guess some of the, I mean, Apple products or Google products where it's like, Hey, this, you've got your nest, go ahead and hook all your other stuff up or your Amazon. And, you know, since it's already there, it's just easier to keep using this versus, you know, finding something else. I, I guess in your use cases, have you thought about kind of that that other way into to your kind of, into your customers?
1: I've thought about it, but not even as in-depthly as you've just gone through it. I mean, all of these um, ideas are categorized and stored somewhere, not only in my brain, but I also, probably my biggest challenge right now is time and figuring out where to devote my time because certain um, paths are more appropriate in the Airbnb use context, but not in others. And so I'm trying to let the data from the use case guide me and then once I narrow down on that use case, figure out what channel partners to use. I don't know if that's the appropriate methodology to move forward, but just trying to find a way to filter because everybody that I talk to has amazing ideas for not only additional use cases, but ways to, um, to move on, to move forward in, in some way. And that's exciting because it, it, it's very, um, it's just really nice to see other people get excited about the the potential uses. And it almost feels like a crowdsourcing, you know, like, how do we make this work? Um, and at the same time, I, I just don't have the time to follow every single path to its future or end. Um, and so right now, it's just a matter of prior- prioritizing.
2: Um, I'm glad that you like brought up time, um, just cause that, that was a question that I definitely had as I'm, you know, kind of hearing your entrepreneurial journey and like getting to this point. Um, it sounds like you've done a lot of the things solo, like on your own, right. It's kind of like ideas that, that you had, that you go through different iterations for, like, do you have plans to bring on a team for this? Or is that something you've thought about for this or other projects? Maybe it's not worked out as well, or just because I mean, time definitely will always be, you know, your enemy. Um, and I think there's, you know, something to kind of picking one model and, and, and product and testing that out and very quickly being able to pivot, but like it, it normally can take some kind of team. What are your you got plans for that?
1: Yeah, I'm open to it, but I'm also realistic about it, and I'd like to see some traction um, in the in the right direction to show that it's you know it's worth and it has the the legs to bring on a team to help support it. So I still consider it very early stage, even though I've been lucky enough to participate in different accelerators. Um, it's still sort of pr- pre revenue, not to market yet, and so I'd like to I'd like to see it show some traction, honestly, before taking the leap towards um, building out a team.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I guess to close, well, then I have to close the loop on the product that I mean that, but I, you know, that's gotta be difficult. Well, I want to make one more comment, throw another thing at you, but then kind of ask you, well, how are you processing that? And, 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 just like sort of, you know, how do you create a filter and a, and a priority list? But yeah, my thought is, you know, I'm still looking for like the words that kind of make this like super extra unique and special because like QR codes themselves aren't, but those just point you to something that already exists, right? So you kind of already, you're taking some of the video, you know, but couldn't like Dropbox just make like QR stickers and like they host it for you. Obviously you add some other kind of layer of, of convenience there. Um, But I think, yeah, I mean, Anyways, I think you're onto a lot of different great use cases. And my my challenge, I'm already like, this is my business. So if I was there, I was like, it's got to sound big enough and defensible enough so that it's not, and I would be worried like you are of like, how do I stay focused? Because I can just start throwing QR stickers on everything. I could see your wall being like, sticker, sticker, sticker. Every one of those is a unique idea. And now it's like a gadget. You know, people are just like, oh, it's just this kind of like weird, funny thing. And it's hard to monetize or people going to buy these stickers like or host or, you know, pay for hosting when they don't really know the exact thing. So it's almost like, how do you take a big thing that has so many use cases and dumb it down, even if it feels like you're sacrificing um, potential coolness to make it like a business model, right? Or is that, tell me where that's at in kind of your mind and your process now.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think I, there's. A few decisions or uh, paths that I could take. One is just very simple, like B to C versus B to B, and I explored that a lot in connection with the two accelerators I was a part of this past summer. Um, and there's pros and cons to both. Um, like I mentioned, the, the data analytics can go and see their either their marketing campaigns or their customer products and the, the QR codes that the Q cards that match to each one. That is. Uh, potentially very exciting. And so I think eventually that B2B context that incorporates uh, data analytics and that gives businesses the freedom to, like you mentioned right now, QR codes have to point to something that already exists. Not only that, but if you change that thing that existed, the QR code breaks because it's just a link. But our platform could provide the ability to modify that end content to potentially put call to action buttons and change those and so it's almost this mini isolated website that exists that the cue card is simply pointing to um where you get the data on the use case from you know beginning to end I think the b2b need for that is greater whereas b2c is just fun and and it you know it tugs on my heartstrings a little bit more because that's where it, it was born out of, like gift giving and love notes and pranks. And um, that just, you know, makes me smile more. But I, I definitely think the B2B context is is probably where it, well, we'll see. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. former. Or... Yeah, or B2B. I going to say b 2 b to c right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right.
2: Yeah, yeah I was going to say that the former reminds me of more of like a link bio kind of situation, um, which Instagram works with later for. But yeah, also, I mean, there's no, you know, kind of shame or problem with having your, uh, your cash cow, right, or like your, your revenue kind of business that can help with growth to to be able to do the more kind of special B to C things, like, right. you know, every business model out there.
1: So, yeah, sure, yeah,
0: you know, I can yeah, see consumers being the main. Yeah, I can see the C being the main like users of it and the consumers right. of the content. But right. That's their, ergo, the B to B to C, right? So the businesses exactly, might right. be the ones that Customer distribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. And so, I guess, tell me where you're in pilot mode, and kind of, and then what do you hope to learn, and then what's next uh, for for you and for QCard?
1: Yeah, I hope to um, be very data driven with the feedback that I receive from the pilot program. Um, it right now, it's in many different use cases that I had initially wanted. Um, It has grown organically through people telling other people about it. And then that other person has another use case. So they want to join the pilot program, but they want to do this very cool thing with it. And so uh, I've been, Uh, not as stringent about it can only be these use cases. I need this exact survey at this time, maybe to my detriment, but I'm just excited by the fact that people want to use it and that they're seeing value in it. And so I'm letting it grow in that way. Um, And then we'll collect data in a couple of months. I mean, some of it depends on the use case, right? Like I had a friend who used it for her sister's bridal party, a one night thing. Um, She wanted to put a, a bowl of cue cards next to a guest book. And so people could write their message and add a video. Um, And so that was easy because that was one night, the next day, you know, uh, set a survey, got feedback, all of that stuff. Other things take longer, the Airbnb scenario. I have a few hosts that want to record the videos and put them in their home in order to have that sort of rotate through a few, um, you know, renters would take a few weeks. And so they're all on these different timeframes and there's both B2B and b 2 b to c and B2C. And so hopefully um, gathering that data, choosing a, at least path to market initially um, to move forward with, and then Focusing intently on that path in the, in the near future would be the goal. Sure.
0: And do you see yourself as, um, running all these businesses simultaneously, or is your hope that, you know, QCard card sort of envelops all of your time and, and, and mental resources?
1: I mean, I have no idea. If you had asked me last year, would I have this other random tech business that I was pursuing? Like I would have never thought that I would be here a year ago. and so I have no idea where I'm gonna be a year from now, but i I actually feel comfortable with that, which is unusual for me. So I'm just happy to be in this place where I'm along for the ride.
0: That's amazing. Um...
1: yeah, clearly, she can do
2: do six at one time. <laughs> proven that, so no I think it's good like I mean like we were talking about earlier right this idea of it doesn't have to be perfect to test it and I know even like Nick and I were talking about with someone else like last week a new kind of business idea and you know I think Nick you kind of joked like oh it's not gonna make money like don't put the sign up yet like you know we'll wait like I mean you also just have to figure out like profitability right and like there's just so many levels a business has to go through to figure out if it's sustainable and you know, what that model can look like. So I can appreciate um, just being okay with kind of testing out those different use cases before you put too much, you know, ahead of it, before you put truly the cart before the horse, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And my initial MVP was so ugly, so basic, all the things, like it was a true MVP. Um, and, you know, it hurt when I got the feedback on, on from some folks on that. But I just had to remember, this is the point of it. This isn't my vision. This is just the very initial version. And the feedback was overall positive enough for me to move forward with what QCard is today. And who knows what the later versions will do and look like. But um, if you're too... Upset when someone calls your baby ugly, you're just never gonna you're never gonna let it grow up. So I'm I'm trying to be okay with that.
0: I would never be okay with that. I'm just kidding.
1: All babies are ugly.
2: Fine, <laughs> 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 Uh,
0: just not mine. Well, okay, so yeah, I mean, we covered a lot, right? Which is kind of uh, ha- getting going, kind of finding a path and a career in in law starting to take a few small risks. Well, I mean, I guess growing up around kind of entrepreneurship, um, but then, yeah, starting to take a few small risks, leading to confidence to take a bigger risk. And now, and finding something that was scratching your own itch, right? These are all, I mean, it's almost the playbook, right? You know, but so many, some of these are like, conversations are really the future of this or that or we could have really gone into like kind of content consumption and digital marketing being you know inadequate if you can't cross the physical barrier and overlay it with location and overlay with not just location but like the person using it um so how powerful is that right i mean you've got really the next in some ways this could have been the future of marketing right and the future of content you know and like you know, without that next layer of of filters and, and data points around the consumption of content that you could put out for marketing, you're not really marketing. And like how, I mean, so like this could have gone that way, but instead it really, for this version of the convo is about kind of the journey and like, you've got a career, a profession, you've taken small steps into kind of entrepreneurship and, and risks. And this is, I mean, for all five people that listen to this, you know, I don't know if they're, where they're at in their life, but it's not It's not meant to just be for entrepreneurs, right? This could be starting something else or just even taking a risk and and how to do it incrementally. And now you've got to the point where you've got something going. It's very successful in many measures. Pilot, you know, MVP occurred, pilot is occurring. It's not dead yet, but it's by no means a, a foregone conclusion, but you're open to what it might be and where it might go, which is, kind of just like really impressive. I mean, I feel like that probably took a while to get to your in your own headspace of like, this could really be big. What would I do? I don't know. But I'm okay with that. I guess as you sort of wrap up, was that a big thing for you? Like, if I do this, it might work. And what does that mean? Did you like have conversations with yourself about that or your inner network Or or how did that all kind of play out?
1: A a little bit. I mean, I'm, I try not to get, you know, excited until there's, something getting excited about the same time. I like to celebrate the small wins. So just imagining something and then having it actually be something that I can put on gifts. This holiday season is a win like that, that I wanted that to exist in the world. And now it does. And, uh, the other day, my younger daughter, four years old was telling me that she wants for Halloween to be a unicorn that has wings. And when you push the button, the wings flap and she flies. And I was like, I don't think that that exists yet, but maybe you could create it. And she said, like, you create a cue card. And I was like, absolutely. And that's like, that's a win for me. If she thinks that she can go on and create whatever she wants, because, you know, cue card now exists in the world. Like I'm good. Everything else is just frosting for me.
0: That's great. Yeah. A little single tier moment there for me too. Like, Oh man, that really happened. So just put wings on cue card and then it'll be yeah. like a little inside joke, right? Like what's a unicorn or a soon to be unicorn with wings. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's funny, like I just said, we could have talked about, you know, the future of marketing and kind of crossing the the physical divide or, you know, kind of being the physical integration TM. Um, but instead we kind of talked about your story and journey, <laughs> but we could have also, um spent a whole hour really talking about how like kind of inspiring this is and should be for others. And I just wanna kind of commend you and like kind of appreciate what you've done. And like, you just said it, you know, I kind of wanted to see something be in reality. First it was the book and you did it. And then you had this other thing I wanted to see into reality and you just made it happen. And that's, you know, now we're kind of into the very small percentiles of people who really take action um, when they see everybody knows that like, Oh man, I had that idea 10 years ago and I would be, where would I be now? And it's like, that's bullshit because they'd be nowhere. Cause obviously they didn't do something on that. So they would have like, every other time something could have came up, they would have done nothing as well. So, you know, but you, you're just doing it. So, I mean, I guess, I, I don't know how to kind of tie that off other than to say like, you're like a real inspiration. And I feel like, you know, I would love to just kind of, you know see more people highlight the the journeys that like you've been on and others because it's very few and far between so even now you're like you don't know where it's gonna go but man you've really been making it happen and and I think others can just kind of draw inspiration for that so just generally congrats you're awesome um and that's it that's all I wanted to say but yeah I mean just great job thank you the world is about yeah
2: <laughs> no but I I yeah Well, I mean, I think just the fact that, like, you don't have to do this, right? I mean, I don't know, We kind of got into, like, the entrepreneurial bug being a a driver, but I don't know if there's something, you know, else you want to talk about. I know, just talking to um, a lot of women more recently, like, we do want to see changes, you know, in the professional workplace and the entrepreneurial journeys, like, for women everywhere, right, just to to have more of us doing it, um, because there's not enough right now. But, yeah, I mean, you don't have to be doing this and are taking risk and extra time to make something um, come to fruition in the world that's currently not there and, you know, could have lots of impacts and lots of awesome other ways to, you know, especially for nonprofits that we didn't talk about. But yeah, I guess any like kind of more motivating reasons for like why you do decide to keep doing this, I would be interested to hear that too.
1: I just feel like I've had a lot, like Nick was referring to earlier, a lot of ideas that I never pursued. Maybe other people did, maybe they didn't for years and years and years. And then once I started to put the, the need to be perfect or the, what will think people think thoughts behind me and just doing it, I realized that you can help people just by doing it. So even, you know, if the law practice isn't perfect. I've helped a lot of entrepreneurs and that is meaningful. And if the book wasn't perfect, there are families who still love it. They don't care. Um, and that is meaningful. And uh, if Q card isn't perfect, there are people that are going to use it in their Airbnbs or on gifts or for their small businesses. And so you can help people without being perfect. And people honestly would prefer you not to be perfect because then it helps them move on with their imperfect project because nothing's ever going to be exactly the way you want it to be. And so um, it was just a culmination of being tired of not going for it and and seeing the effects of going for it. And between the two, I would just, I'd rather pick the latter.
0: Yeah, that's the other segment on the show is what's your why? We didn't really get into it, but now now we did. So yeah, I mean, Emily, to your point, there's a lot of just people, you know, that I think- um, yeah. We talked about like the health insurance. Like I, I, I wouldn't start because of that, or there's just some reason. And so, you know, Venus, you're sort of, um, I guess evidence that you're successful right now, no matter what happens. Right. Because you've tried it. And that, that's something I kind of deal with too, where it's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm not there yet. Like, but what's there. Right. Like we're on a journey, we're doing things and that in and of itself should be rewarding. And it is when you can like step back and get a little bit of perspective. Um, but, you know, anyways, I think I'm, I'm just really happy for, for kind of what you're doing and for you coming on and, and, and sharing that story. Um, let's move to like closing statements, closing arguments here, um, Attorney yeah. Liles of, uh But... Um, yeah, I guess let's wrap up. What's next for you for this year? It's 2021. Um, just to digitally date this conversation. Q Card is in pilot. Your practice is thriving. You have a full time job. You have a number of kids at home. We're all still kind of dealing with COVID. What does the next 12 uh, months look like for you? And where do you see this all all going?
1: Right now, I'm operating on a month at a time, if I'm lucky, and so no clue what 12 months or even 2022 will bring. Um, In September, I'm just hoping for some cooler weather. I'm going to truck along with the pilot programs, trying to support the people that are participating as much as possible and get their data and, and absorb that and analyze that, and then personally just try to enjoy time with family. Now that the kids are back in school, it gives me the time to do work during the day, but I'm also looking forward to actually seeing them in the evenings and on the weekends. So um, I have no idea what future future will bring, but I'm just gonna keep moving along for the next month or so.
0: Yeah, that's great. So uh, moving all the projects forward. Um, yeah, I think I appreciate the month in advance and I'm like a day in advance. Sometimes I'm like, oh wait, today's my, one of my days to drive to practice. I have to leave in 10 minutes. So make sure the kitties have their little cleats on. And, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I guess this was fun because, um, Emily is the first time kind of having a co-host, um, and Venus, great story. And I'm so glad that we connected and, and got to hear from you. And yeah, I wish you kind of all the best. Emily, any closing thoughts?
2: Yeah. I don't know if I have a, um, which side of prosecution or defense I'm on. No, I Um, yeah um this is awesome so well I you know love working with the team at smashing boxes and Nick and um, it's just cool that we get to connect with companies like yours every day so um, and inspiring entrepreneurs so hopefully can get some more stickers going out the door for you and you know some more business um, because I think there's just tons of use cases to explore in the next month and there to 12 months right so congratulations again
1: Awesome. Thank you both so much for having me. I should have mentioned I am planning a Kickstarter campaign next month. So look out for information on that. But um, this has been a, a wonderful conversation, and I just always like chatting with you both. So I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Cool.